Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. Today I want to talk about the beauty of our connection, something that Steve actually introed with, this the brilliance of this relational connection that we get to enter into with the Lord. And even some of the heroes of this story, these older brothers and sisters that have went before us, and, and um, it's kind of like when you watch some of these superhero movies these days, they, they make the prequels or even the Star Wars movies and stuff like that. They show the, the origin stories. And there's a certain fellow whose origin I, I, we've, we've touched on, but I want to go through some of his life. And so because of that today... I'm going to do some, um, some maybe uh, origin story style, watch it like a movie as we say here. But the scripture I want to open up with concerning our connection is found in the, the second book of Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. And seeing how we just looked at some of his, some of his old stories last week. The verse goes like this. But also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brother, be even more diligent to make your call in your election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never stumble. And it's interesting. It's the Apostle Paul, who was once named Saul. He has a list very similar to this. In Galatians 5, it's, it's a little bit more popular probably. We call it the fruit of the Spirit and the, and, the, and the works of the flesh. And the fruit of the Spirit, the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness of goodness. These things which Paul is articulating in Galatians, these are evidence that you're abiding in the Lord and you are in the lineage or in alignment with your true heavenly inheritance. That's what he's talking about there. Now Peter in 2 Peter is saying something very, very similar. He's using, you know, brotherly kindness and, and kindness and love and uh, the, the virtue of faith and virtue knowledge and self-control. Some of these same fruit of the Spirit. But he's actually saying, hey, you have these exceedingly precious promises, but add all of these into your life. Like this should be your attitude. This should be your nature. This is what we are walking in. Because if they're yours and, and they abound, like the fruits of the Holy Spirit abound in your life, it is a sign that you are neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, not just the knowledge of or like knowing about, but your relational connection is alive and it is active and it is manifesting through your life. But the contrary is also true. You know, If we're lacking these things, if we're not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, even the love and the joy, the peace, the kindness, the goodness, the patience, these attributes, 
if we're actually not manifesting them, that means that we are lacking in our knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are lacking in our relational connection and knowing him to the degree that we're actually called to know him on. Yeah? He even goes on to say that, and he says, because the, those who lack these things has actually forgotten that he was already cleansed from his old sins. You know what I'm saying? He has, he's lost the full picture that he's not who he once was. He is fully new in somebody else. And this is his true inheritance. So make your calling and election sure. But the beauty of this passage is he's talking, it, it, it all comes through your connection to the Lord Jesus. Yeah. And this is somebody who we've seen his life, as far as like has the ability to have some humility, like we've seen his life, you know, he's the toughest guy. He's pulling the sword out, swinging on <laughs> Malchus, you know, cuts a dude's ear off when they're coming to take Jesus away. And Jesus has to stick the ear back on, glue the thing back, like, you know, like just the way he created Adam in the garden, he puts it back on his head. It's incredible, you know. Then, you know, when he first meets Jesus in the, in the boat, and Jesus is like, hey, put the, put the net out over there, he gets so freaked out. He's like, I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, you don't understand me. I'm not like one of these young Jewish guys that's like just all, all the way, you know, a synagogue boy. I'm not a church boy. I'm, I don't have a clean tongue. I've, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a curse like a sailor, pretty much, maybe. You know what I mean? If, for our terms, you know. To which Jesus is like, yeah, well, you're going to catch men. You know, I don't, I don't, see, you, I don't see that. I see you as, some, as this. Oh, Simon it is? No, it's, it's, actually, it's actually Peter and on this rock. Like, I actually see the true you, the true reality of who you are. And in that relational connection, he was transformed into somebody different. Even when he was in Luke 9 asking to call down fire from heaven. Actually, it was James and John. But him and the disciples debating about who is greater than one another. All these character attributes, these bad qualities of their attitudes that manifested all the time. Jesus never disqualified them. And now Peter is saying, hey, don't forget who you truly are. Don't forget that you're not who you once were. Make sure these qualities, these traits, the fruit of the Spirit. And when it's not, it doesn't mean you're disqualified. It means you have to, you have, to have a mind change and understand, wait a second, I'm, I'm missing something here. I need to know Him in this scenario in my life. You know, this is the same guy. If they all betray you, Lord, I won't betray you. He's like, you will betray me, and you'll do it three times. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Then he's cussing up a storm when somebody called him out warming himself by a fire. I don't bleep and know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. Three times. He, 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 the, then the rooster crows, and he's like, man. So this is somebody who's, who's known what it's like to go up and down, who's known what it's like to be in his old attitude and nature, the nature of that he was inherited through Adam, the fall, the fallen nature of humanity, carnal mindset and attitude, and, and, and then back into the nature of someone who's beloved of God, who's trust of God and understands he's something new. You know? he, he, he fails completely, then he's leading at Pentecost, standing up leading. Because he's understanding, oh, this isn't about my merit or my character, this is about the one whom I know, and he knows me more than I know me, and I need to see myself through him. Amen. You know what I mean? I need to see him literally and lose myself, lose my own mind to his mind, and walk in the newness of this reality. 
you know. He still had hiccups in the book of Acts if you read through the whole thing, you know. You know, the Apostle Paul kind of gets after him a little bit in Galatians, but it's one of those things where it's like the guy who's writing this is, is, has become like a hero. I mean, a lot of people think he's the first pope. You know, let's not, let's, let's not do that now. But, you know, it's, it, he's, be, he's become something because he is one of our heroes, but his origin story was like, guys, know the Lord. If you start to trip up and you start to become something you, you know you're not, you realize you've forgotten that you've actually been transformed, you've come out of that. That's not who you really are. You're lacking in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Get back into that place of knowing Him, knowing what He's done, and relationally connect to Him. The whole thing's about the beauty of connection. It always was, from the garden all the way out. And, you know, a lot of the point of today is that Jesus Himself is incredibly kind and patient. It amazes me. How much harder I can even be on myself at times until I connect to him and realize he doesn't have the same opinion. And then I have the opportunity to lose my opinion of myself or whoever else I'm dealing with. Because <laughs> he doesn't, he's just not harsh at all. Incredibly kind and patient. Absolutely amazing. And not only that, he's rescued us all from our dead-end lives. That we're going nowhere. Or they were going somewhere all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he's come by stealth and he's rescued us all. And I know a lot of people sometimes, they feel kind of trapped and they don't know what their next move is and where their life's going and, and what's the next open door and how am I going to get there and all these different things. But it's like knowing him is how you're going to get to where you're called to be. And it's always been that way. It's all a trick. The whole thing is the matrix. The whole thing is a, practically like a simulation. And it, and the, and the trick in the entire thing is knowing him and knowing what Peter knew and what he talked to us about. Like, hey, don't be lacking in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Don't be short-sighted and nearsighted. That's what he called it. Forgetting what's already been done. Open your mind up to the big picture by actually knowing him and seeing him and, and understanding that he can, do, he can do in a day what would take a thousand years. And Peter said that too. To him... A day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Like Time is, is, is a construct of this natural dimension that he is not limited by, and he can actually bring you to where you're going. It's almost always, it is always in this walk, about having our heart knitted to his heart and growing in that nature, being conformed to that image, and then the doors open for us. That's how the thing works. It's designed that way. It is designed to yield itself to the sons and daughters of the kingdom. This whole, this whole construct is designed to bow and yield itself to the sons and daughters of light who are speaking the truth and manifesting it in their life. That's the way the thing works. The whole thing is a matrix. Peter, again, he gets locked up. You know what I'm saying? He gets locked up and put into, a, into jail multiple times. And, and literally, he... He gets sprung by an angel, and he walks, he walks Peter out of the jail, and Peter doesn't even know if he's really awake or if he's asleep, but he just goes with it. Turns out he was awake. You know what I mean? It's like the reality of like it didn't matter how good his legal system was or, you know what I mean, i got to hire a good lawyer or, you know, we need to have a revolt. It's just like 
the constructs and the constraints of this world and that which we see as a, um, it's like a, a dead-end wall is never a dead-end wall to the Lord. There's always something there and it almost always is directly in correlation to the dealings of the heart in connection or relationship to Him. You know, um, previously on the Hoff TV, last week, speaking of Peter, we talked about the story of the beauty of connection. Peter, who has been glorified, you know, people tried to get even, even close enough that his shadow would touch them to be healed because he walked in a proximity with the Lord that heaven emanated off of him. And it wasn't about him, it was about his relationship. And it certainly wasn't about his righteousness because we see how much he failed. But last week in the movie, if we're just going to rewind the movie and watch this for previously on Hoff, we saw Peter was hungry on his lunch break. And he was, it was Acts chapter 10 if you, you were here and if you want to look back at it. He literally was up on a roof because he was hungry and, and, and the food wasn't ready yet. So he actually took a few moments to just connect to God, connect to the Lord. And, you know, he sees the giant sheet laying down and all the unclean animals and kill and eat. And it happens three times and all this crazy thing. But what's even crazier than that, there's a Gentile guy, a guy who's not Jewish, named Cornelius, who's actually praying. And he has an angel come to him and says, hey, there's a guy named Peter staying at Joppa. He's at a guy named Simon's house. His name's Simon, too. Anyways, go get for him, send for him. He's got some things to tell you, you know. So Cornelius is freaked out, sees the angel, gives him the call. Peter comes over. And we understand now what is arguably one of, if not the, but definitely one of the most important, crucial decisions ever made by the church, the church of Jesus Christ. Christianity was made that day where Peter, the leader, had a heads up from God to call no man unclean. And he walked into that house, which he legally as a Jew would not have been able to walk into, and those people received the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues and were baptized in God. The holy place of the Jewish temple was inside of these people that they were illegal to even be around the Jewish temple on that level. You know what I mean? So all the grids were shattering. Hey, uh, God's actually not racist after all. That was just us. Um, and, and this major deal, which I don't know how many of you guys are Jewish. I know some people probably are, but, you know, the rest of us kind of got into this gig. We realize, hey, it's okay. It's cool. And so Peter has busted the door wide open in his connection and Cornelius' connection. You think about the angel that comes to Cornelius and he says, hey, because of this, the alms you've given and, and, and the, the way you've uh, been giving and devoted to God, there's actually a, a memorial in heaven from you. Now, can you imagine that? He doesn't even know Jesus. He, doesn't, he hasn't been baptized with the Spirit, let alone baptized, let alone anything else. And he has a memorial that's in heaven. What does it look like? Is it a statue of him smiling? What's, what is that? I don't know what it is. It's not a plaque. It's something way more cool and creative. But Cornelius has that in heaven before he's even, you know, said the sinner's prayer. And, Amen. You know, you know, it's like none of that's happened. And they're like, should we baptize these guys? It's like, hey, the angel said there's a memorial up there. From Can you imagine some of the people that you think is a rotten son of a gun in town or wherever? What if you come to find out that because of the condition of their heart and some things they've done on the earth, 
God's created, or some angel's created, or somebody's created in heaven some sort of beautiful piece of art that's in heaven that's devoted to their actions and deeds. And they've never even heard Jesus. Maybe they're a Muslim. Oh, well, hey now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe there's something else. You know, this, now, this isn't some universalism. Well, all dogs go to heaven and all people do no matter what. and doesn't matter what you believe. It's all the same thing. It's not the same thing. You know, the only way to the Father is through the Son. Jesus is God. So there's that. You know I think this, and that's what we believe. We're Christians. But what I'm telling you is, you know, God's outside of time and space. Amen. And he doesn't, he doesn't segregate and divide you know, through the family. We understand this. We understand these writings that say every genealogy in heaven and on the earth comes from the Father. Every family named in heaven and on earth, its genealogy is derived from the Father, the Father of lights, all humanity. If you've seen, if you can see them, I was going to say if they have eyeballs, because some people don't, you know, but if, 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 you, if they're a person, they're from Him. They've been created in His image, and they have the same value that you have. That's the way the game is played. Well, some are elect. No. No. No, 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 no. They're created in His image. They have the same value as you. Yeah. And they're deserving of our love, attention, our affection, our, our kindness. You know. And God desires everyone to come to this knowledge. To the knowledge of the truth. That's the way it is. Yeah, there's nobody that, that, that's outside of that reality. So we have this beautiful thing that's opened the door for all of us because of somebody's connection, a couple somebody's connection. And we think uh, most people have never heard the name Cornelius before. Unless it's some, you know, not this guy. But it's like, can you imagine that? An Ita a centurion, a Roman soldier, over 100 Romans of the Italian. It means he was, he was legitimately not, you know, he was Jewish. And no one's ever hold, and for some reason God chose him to catch this guy up named Peter to help rewire Peter's mind and to open this thing to everybody in the world. What an incredible honor. Do you think it's interesting that God uses people that we don't even have we don't even think about them as being famous or whatever in the Bible, and they're some of the biggest players in the whole Bible. We just looked over them. Isn't that funny? There's another guy named Ananias. Speaking of backstories, and he's one chapter before, and you know, I won't do Saul. I, we always call him Saul bin Laden, right? You know, the guy who was persecuting all the Christians, the most rotten one of everybody, you know what I'm saying? But he, was, he knew the Torah, he knew the Bible so incredibly well. I mean, better than everybody. He could put you in the ground on that thing, dude. He could, he could wear you out with it if you wanted to. Legend has it, or history has it, that he was actually a small fella. So they'd, they'd hear his letters and think he was going to come hot. And when he'd show up, they'd be like, him? That little guy? <laughs> little, little Saul or Paul? You know what I mean? But everybody was scared to death of the guy. He trained at the Harvard, the Princeton, the Yale, the, under Gamaliel. I mean, he was this incredible young man who had all of this understanding and knowledge. And he had the authority to persecute Christians. You know? It's almost like he was deputized legally to go and arrest people, even though he was just a Pharisee. Born Roman citizen, rich elite guy, racist as they come, because it was built in to the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, Stephen, the very first martyr, 
sees Jesus standing in heaven. Saul, this, this guy, they say he's, he's, he's breathing out threats and murder against all the disciples of the Lord. Had a letter to go to, Damas- to, the, to the synagogues of Damascus. So if he found anybody who was of the way, whether men or women, he could bring them bound to Jerusalem. He's like, he had a letter that caused him to be able to arrest anybody in Damascus. Like, this is the city. Like, we think, oh, we're going to go on a little evangelistic trip. He's going to Damascus to arrest a bunch of people and rough them up. Had Stephen killed. He was the authority in the murder of Stephen, the first martyr, who they were laying all their coats and stuff down at his feet. He was the authority of who God is. And if you say he's somebody else, I have the right to punish you, you know. And he has, a, he has a real mind change, doesn't he, on that road to Damascus. It says, he's enveloped, it says, in light from heaven. In other words, he gets swallowed up into another domain. Jesus used to always say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying it's right here. It's another dimension that's all around you. It's above you. It's in you. It's out of you. It's on the inside of you. You can release it and all these things. Saul gets a a first uh, front row seat to that reality on his way to persecute somebody. He is, talk about somebody who's not in the fruit of the Spirit. He's breathing out threats and murder. He is of of a complete, total different nature than God's actual real nature, even though he's supposed to be the highest authority that points to who God actually is. And so here he is, and he gets swallowed up or engulfed or enveloped is what the word is. He gets into light. And Jesus talks to him. Saul, Saul, why you persecuted me? To which he says, who are you, Lord? Who, who are you, Master? In other words, who are you? That Talk about yield. He gets pulled into the heavenly realm. And the Master himself confronts him. And even before he knows who he is, he's like, who are you, boss? my new boss. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's already changed teams just out of being scared to death and enveloped in light, whatever that looks like. You know, I think that's hilarious. It could have been like, I am Buddha. I am the Jehovah Witness God, whatever that thing is. I don't know, whatever, you know, I am Marduk or I, you know, I'm, you know, it could have been anything he wanted to, you know, and he would have said, all right, what's the new, what's my new job? You know what I mean? But it's like, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. You know. So he asked him, Lord, again, I love him calling him that. What do you want me to do? And see, I know who Jesus is. So I know how terrified he is of God in general. The God of the holy place. I know how terrified they are actually of the holiness of God and being struck by him anyways. They're so driven by fear in their life of God, but it's not the holy, pure fear of the Lord. It's something different. So I know how terrified he is, and I'm watching the movie as somebody who's a student of his, but I'm, but I'm watching it as an origin story thinking like, man, this is beautiful because you don't know how much that, that terrifying deity loves you and has laid his life down for you. And he's going to show you that he doesn't disqualify you. Like, man, this is, this is so beautiful and brilliant. You know what I mean? Selah. Like, just sit there and just watch that in your Bible study for the morning. And then move on. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, he's about to get a treat, isn't he? But boy, he's terrified. You know, that great white shark done swam up to him in the ocean, showed all of his teeth at him. 
And he's like, oh, you know, but it's like, hey, that thing's not going to hurt you. Bad analogy, but maybe it worked for some of you. You know, it's, it's, you don't, it's not what you think it is. Um, so trembling and astonished, he goes and he rides to a city and he goes, uh, goes into the city. And Jesus tells him where to go. Go into the city. You'll be told what to do. I love the fact that he didn't eat for three days and he didn't drink for three days. I'm sure there's several of you that have gone on a three-day fast before, but I doubt there's anybody that did a three-day water without water. And if you did, you know, whatever. You got me. But, I mean, dude, that's, that's a tough deal. That's a tough couple days right there. That's a tough 24 hours. And I'm not talking about drinking Mountain Dew and not drinking water. I'm talking about drinking no, no water, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, whew, yikes. So he goes there, and he's, that's called trauma. That's called, like, oh, my gosh. That's called, I'm sitting there, like, so Stephen really was real. And he's looking up into heaven saying that he's, I can see him. And they're like, stone him now. Kill him now. And now I just got enveloped and I'm in heavenly and I'm in that realm and I'm seeing them too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I'm a murderer. And I, and I know what happens to murderers by the law. You know what I mean? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And guess what? You're a murderer. It ain't going, it's, just, it's the same. Yeah. Mm. But of course, there's a fellow named Ananias. There's a couple of them, but this is one that, you know, this is a different one that we're focusing on. Um, but it's another, it's a name that you hardly ever hear. You hear about the other one who hatched a, hatched a really demonic scheme, but you almost never hear about Ananias, you know. So, he, so Saul is there for three days without eating and drinking, but Ananias, man, he's doing what we were talking about. He's connecting to the Lord. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. <laughs> he just said his name. <laughs> it's just funny how it's written to me. I don't know. But he said, he said here, I, here I am, Lord. He said, arise and go to the street that's called Straight. Go to Straight Street. Because God makes the crooked things straight, doesn't he? And there was a crooked, there's a crooked old blind boy down there, but you, you, need to, you need to fix him up. Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he's seen a, he's seen a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him so that he'll receive his sight. So God in his connection to Saul who's sitting there traumatized, probably feeling rotten, and he's in prayer for three days and fasting with no water. The Lord comes and speaks to Ananias in this vision. And he says, hey, go and pray for this guy. He's actually seen you coming in a vision. And it's just like, what? <laughs> like, he's crooked, he's evil. You know what I mean? It's like if we caught Saul bin Laden, it's just like, hey, this is a perfect time to... to X him out of the picture. At least, if you don't want to kill him, at least banish him so he'll stop persecuting and wrecking the whole church. And all, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, he's seen in a vision somebody coming to help him and you're going to be the guy that comes to help him. So Saul's a brand new Christian. He's having visions. It doesn't say, but I, I would have a pretty good hunch that he's never had a vision before. I believe that only the prophets would have that as, as a high-level scholar that he was. He's having a vision of this. And so God, you know, the Lord, Jesus tells Ananias, go, go talk to him. But Ananias kind of gives him a little kick back there in verse 13. He says, Lord, I've, I've heard from so many about this man, how much harm he's done. 
to your saints in Jerusalem. <laughs> like he has authority from the chief priest to bind everybody who calls on your name. Like, hey, okay, um, but just to make sure, Lord, I think this is you. But isn't this this is this the Saul of Tarsus? I mean, that name and that title and that that place that he's from doesn't that kind of seem similar to the to the same guy that kind of beats up tortures and, and has the authority to arrest people and drag them out from the home? Like, it's like, dude, I've got kids or I got a wife or like I don't want to go to jail. Like, hey man, is this? Hey, I kind of want you know. But the Lord says to him, go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I'll show him how many things he's going to suffer for my name. And how beautiful is that? That, that would have been question number two from Ananias. Did you just say uh, before Gentiles? Like he's going to go, so he's going to like, so he's going to break the rules that we have? This is before Peter and the sheep. That's the very next chapter. It's probably happening simultaneously, to be honest. This is all happening together. Um, you know, what about, you know, Cornelius and all them? Like Peter, eh, you know what I mean? Like, are we allowed to, you know? And Jesus already, he's given the guy the plan. This is the plan. I'm, I'm come to rescue everybody. Yeah. It is said in a lot of historical writings and, 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 and commentaries that it is believed that this Ananias is one of the 70 disciples. He's one of the 70. You know, there's the 12 and 72. Depends on which one you ask, uh, which one you're reading, which version. But So he was one of the 70 or 72. And, um, you know, which means he knew the Lord. He had walked with him. And Jesus was coming to tell him to do something. And he was kind of like, ah, this will make me a little uncomfortable. But he's like, all right. Jesus spoke to him. And he says, I'm going to have him bear my name before the Gentiles. The, that's really the, the word ethnos. It means the races. He's, he's going he's to he's bear my name before all races and kings. And it's just like, whoa. That's a real thing? You know. It's like, yeah, like, man... I know he's, a, he's, a, he's an angry little racist fellow that's quite terrifying, causing havoc. But I'm calling his card and he's going to do the exact opposite, but on the same level of rage. It's going to, the same level of heat and rage that he's bringing to that side of the fence, he's going to bring to this side of the fence. Now don't get hung up on the word rage. I don't mean it in an angry way, but you know, I mean it in a zealous way. So... So Ananias shows up to his house and he lays his hands on him. <laughs> I love this. And he calls him Brother Saul. My brother, you know. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you has come to me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says immediately something like scales fell off of his eyeballs. And I was like, man, that's, that's good stuff. Something like these, this demonic way that he had been seeing people started to be re reversed and if something fell off his eyeballs, which they must have been like, whoa, what is that? He received food and was strengthened. And immediately it says he preached Jesus in the synagogues that he was the son of God. I love that verse right there. It's like immediately. It's like he literally, he literally like a week, within a week maybe, it's like what in the world? He was back in the synagogue, which they said, oh, Saul of Tarsus is here. Like, let him up here. And it's like, all right. And like he came and spoke, he's like, so that thing that happened a few years back, it was real. Jesus is the, was the son of God walking around here. The son of David, son of God, it's real. He's real. And it's so beautiful to see. It's so cool to see. I like verse 26. When Saul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. 
thinking <laughs> they thought it was just I was like no nah, I'm not falling for that trick I'm not bringing him around us <laughs> we know better we heard the stuff that this dude does but it says Barnabas took him and brought him into the apostles and explained how he had seen the Lord and all this stuff and so they're like all right so Barnabas kind of vouched for him and they brought him in and, and Barnabas's name is son of encouragement he was a prophet he was, he was a prophetic voice and he's called a prophet in the book of Acts uh, later on but but son of encouragement that's the essence of what New Testament Christianity and prophecy truly is you know what I mean he saw him through the eyes of encouragement as God sees in the testimony of Jesus Christ not as his reputation surrounded him with you know it's a beautiful intro story I needed to do that because I want to I want to look at his life in the next few weeks at least that's the plan unless things change and um, but it's so beautiful the intro and one of the one of the small points there is that you know Peter this guy that we've kind of done his some of his intro stories and stuff and some of his words and his writings and stuff this past couple of weeks it's like he ends up being this representative and literally is called to the Jewish people and which is hilarious because he was like I'm a man of unclean lips like he was the most almost like the most secular blue-collar Jewish guy and if you you had to look at these guys Peter and Paul who end up being like two of the top leaders in the whole game you would think well Saul aka Paul is definitely gonna be our he's gonna be our ace in the hole for all the Jews because man all the Pharisees are gonna listen to him all the high-level elites are gonna listen to him the dude has all the knowledge of the Torah he's got it memorized he doesn't even need to have his eyes he can read it without looking at it those first five books I mean he was just brilliant fiery not afraid he's our he's our best player for the Jews man and of course Jesus is like hey well I got an idea why don't we swap him and Peter make Peter kind of have to you know, kind of, you know, you, you know anybody that doesn't dress up much and when you see him wearing a tie or a suit, you're like, uh, that kind of looks funny on you. You know what I mean? No, maybe not. Uh, catch me in one one time. You'll see what that looks like. But so he, so he puts him over there. He's like, well, I'm going to put you into the Jewish side of the tracks majority, which Peter was on both too, but, you know, and Paul was too. But he's like, I'm going to put Paul majority on the Gentile side. And it's like, well, that doesn't really make much of a fit. I know. My power is made perfect in weakness. Like, you know, my plan, it's, it's, it doesn't always, it's not the most practical, but it's by the Spirit and not by your strength. And, and, and this, this dog's going to hunt. Just trust me, it's going to work, you know. It sure does. And so he swaps these, these fellows' roles, which I think is hilarious. This little, like, Jewish Pharisee, like, religious. He's been raised. It's in his blood. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, you're going to go to the Gentiles. And it's just like, what? For real? You know what I mean? Predominantly, you know. You're gonna go into, you're gonna talk to Caesar himself, you know. It's really cool, but it's but it's beautiful that these major players, this 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 Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan of the faith, so to speak, you know, these two guys that we think are just so awesome. But if it wasn't for old Cornelius, who didn't even know who he was really worshiping, you know what I mean? Who already had alms, you know, already had a statue in heaven or whatever it was of plaque or something you know some type of memorial you know and if it wasn't for Ananias who wasn't even one of the 12 he was one of the 70 he loved the Lord but had devotion to the Lord like their devotion and their connection look at the look at the fruit that that wielded in their life because they made themselves available because they were devout to the Lord because they developed connection 
because they had a heart to know Jesus and to follow him, whether it was in something great or whether it was in something small. You know, it's true. And that's how I'll close, man. It's like, this is, this is, our, this is the value of our connection. And sometimes it is, it's so different than what we're expecting, but it's not about the five-year plan. It's about being in the here and now and knowing the Lord in the here and now. It's about the issues of the heart. Like Peter was so like, hey, here's some fruits of the Spirit that you must have added to yourself. And if these things are in you, then you're not going to be unfruitful. And the knowledge, your relationship, your knowledge and your relationship should bear much fruit and should touch people. But it won't if the fruit of His Spirit are not within you. But if they're not within you, it's because you're lacking in the knowledge of the Lord. You're actually not knowing Him the way you're called to, or there's something you're missing, you're nearsighted, and you've forgotten what He's done for you. Because when you see that, you enter into the transformation of what came from the cross, and that becomes the most important thing in your life, and it doesn't, you're not trying to find your demographic. You're not trying to find people like you. That grosses me out all the time. You know what I mean? You're not shopping for something. A lot of people are shopping around. I want to shop for a church that has, I want to have, to have this type of music or that type. You know, I want people my age. I want older people like me. Or I want to, sometimes older people, I want to be around young people. Or I want to be, it's like, man, look, what about being directed of the Lord in your life? Plugging in where you're challenged and you learn, but also you function in the gifts of the Spirit and your Christianity be about knowing Him and serving in the house and outside of the house constantly. Like you're released. You're fully unlocked to function and to flow. And it's never about, well, I'm just looking for the place that like meets my needs. And it's like, if we're in that mindset, we've missed, we've, we've missed the biblical reality of what it means to have the rivers of life flowing from our innermost being. Then we've missed it. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, it's one of those things where like this connection that we're called to have, this flow that we're called to have in Him, it comes from actually knowing Him. And it, even if we're having a hard time, it, it, it comes to having a hard time in connecting to Him. Like, hey, I'm obviously missing something. Something's lacking within me in my knowledge and my connection with you. We ask for the wisdom that comes from heaven, this knowledge of heaven. And James 1 says He gives it to us freely and liberally. You know? And without a rebuke at the end of it. That's how it's kind of written. You know, without reproach. It's not like, well, you should know this, you, you little... You know what I mean? It's just like, hey, no, no, no. It's like, he gives liberally without reproach. It's like, he'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the understanding to not be short-sighted and nearsighted. That's the goal of it all. You know? We love the scripture of Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It's a refrigerator, door scripture. It might even be a bumper sticker. For I know the plans that I have towards you, the thoughts that I think towards you. They're actually for a hope and for a future. You know. But that verse came to a people who, had, who were captive in Babylon, so to speak, and they're waiting for their big breakout moment to get to where they were called to be. And prophets were coming, the Lord's going to break you out. Don't put down roots. Don't do anything practical and don't live in the moment no matter what. Just be spiritual and just wait for God to break you out and we're going back to Jerusalem. And the reality was, Jeremiah said, no, that's not the case. This is going to be a 70-year period. The Lord says, this is a, you got 70 years left, but you know what? Instead of that, build houses, plant vineyards, get married, have kids, marry your kids off, pray for peace of the place where you're staying, 
Like be fruitful and multiply. Hey, you're going to be there for 70 years? Put roots down. Be in the moment. Live the gospel. Live truth. That's, it's prophetic. It's for us. Live, live this reality here and now. There's people that you walk by on a daily basis that your transformation is going to unlock their life. There's people in your family, your transformation of this gospel truth. You know, the knowledge of God, not being unbarren and not being unfruitful. It sounds so practical, but it'll go mystical. Think about all the stuff. Jesus is coming in a vision to one. Jesus is coming in a vision to Saul. You know, golly, whatever the, I don't know what happened. What was lowering the sheet down? The sheet and the animals and all that weird stuff. There's an angel coming to Cornelius. That's what real Christianity looks like. It is profoundly mystical. It is not a boring deal and boring life. But we've got to untrain our brain from how it's supposed to look or what we've accepted as normal and get back to the roots of our family, our true DNA, and step into that relational connection. Because I, I promise you, it will, it will unwire your brain in the way you think. It really will. It really will. And you'll come to life. Peter, Paul, like they will all say the same thing. Hey, the most important thing is this connection. It is this relationship. And out of it flows everything. You know, be fruitful and multiply. You know, I know the thoughts. I know the plans that I think for me. These prophets, eh, you know, this religious mindset. Like, let's just wait until my next my number is called. It's like, hey, no, no, no. Mm -mm. My thoughts for you are for peace and for not evil. When you understand this, you'll pray to me and you'll listen, and I'll listen. You'll seek me and you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. You know. Understand my heart to, for you to blossom in the moment and in the place that you find yourself now. And in that faithfulness, the doors to the next steps of life are, are, will be open. Because He's come to give us life, an abundant life, and that's the real. So, alright. Well, those are my points. You know, a little, little backstory for Paul, a little backstory for Peter. Um, you know, very important, I think, that our heroes were unlocked. Some of these biblical heroes were unlocked by people that don't seem to be all that famous. But what type of stock do you think they had in heaven for their roles in that unlocking? You know what I mean? You know, if we're laying up treasure in heaven, what do you think Ananias and Cornelius's um, heavenly treasure looks like for some of the fish they caught? Some of the things they were involved with, you know, they were faithful with their talents and didn't, they didn't bury them for sure. You know, sometimes the question can be, do we take for granted where we are? You know, do we miss the opportunities that are right, right before us because we're looking or waiting for something that's in the distance? Might be right under our nose.